0: So let's take a moment and recap the last couple weeks of uh, what we've done here since Lent has started. Um, We have spent a couple weeks thinking about what it is to be reconciled to certain things. What does it mean to be reconciled to what Jesus is teaching us in the Gospel text? And in the first week when uh, Dr. Bridgman was here, we talked about what does it mean to be reconciled to the journey that we're on? In the second week, we talked about what does it mean to be reconciled to lament, to be reconciled to the grief of what's happening in this world. And then last week, we talked about what does it mean to be reconciled to repentance? What does it mean to be reconciled to having a whole life change of who we are as we understand who Christ is? And so now this week, We will look at what it means to be reconciled with compassion. And so now, let's turn once again to the Gospel of Luke, starting in chapter 15. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable There was a man who had two sons younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. I will get up and I'll go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Now, his elder son was in the field. When he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves over and asked what was going on. And that slave replied, your brother has come. and Your father has killed the fatted calf because he had got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you always with me and all that is mine is yours but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life he was lost and now has been found the word of the lord So what is compassion, really? One of the first things I thought about were those Sarah McLachlan commercials. Do you remember those? My name is Sarah McLachlan. I'm about to ruin your day. You know, all these, they picked like the 15 saddest possible dogs in the universe, and they were all on the commercial. And, you know, tonight I will do my best Sarah McLachlan impersonation. I will save you from that this morning. But, you know, singing in the eyes of an angel, may you find some comfort here. And your heart just grieves for those dogs. And you're like, why am I so sad about dogs right now? Or we think about Compassion International. With pictures of people that look kind of like me, right? Right? I mean, even I think like body shape, like this guy related to compassion. I mean, we look like we could be cousins. You know, pictures of people who look like me, showing us pictures of people who don't look like me. The people surrounding that guy do not look like him. And they're in situations worse off than all of ours. And so we're asked to give some money in order to help make their lives better. I still remember my, my uh, college fraternity. We, we had a child from Compassion International. Zeneby was his name. I still remember his face. That was uh, We kept track of him for years. So those are some of our initial thoughts. The word in Greek today that we study is this word up here. I know most of you do not read Greek. Uh, it is all Greek to you, right? Um, is the word. What this word means in the Greek is it's very rare and it's very emphatic. And it means literally that his guts were ripped out or even his guts were devoured. In this passage today, that compassion is visceral. It's not just Sarah McLaughlin or some guy in Africa on your TV. No, this is something deep. It comes out in ways that go beyond just the mental exercise of it. Literally, the father's guts were moving towards his son. It's as if his body itself is rending towards his own son that he thought was gone. It is primal and it is powerful. in the New Testament, the word itself is only used about a dozen times in total. Okay, so it's not a very common word, and it's used exclusively in the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and nearly all of the time that this word, esplanchaniste, is used, it's always preceding miraculous acts of care, Like when Jesus has so much compassion over the multitudes that are following him that he takes loaves and fishes and multiplies them and feeds the people. Or when it precedes miraculous acts of healing. When Jesus is overcome with such compassion by the blind man who wishes to be healed that he is able to heal him with just a word. And when it isn't describing Jesus, it's used to describe three other people. It's used to describe the master in Matthew who has deep compassion for his servant and as a result wipes his debt away completely clean. It's used to describe the compassion that the good Samaritan had on the person on the side of the road. And here, the father of the prodigal. And it should cue us to the special nature of of these other three characters as they possess an incredibly important quality of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This deep, visceral feeling of compassion leads to miracles happening, leads to healing occurring. It is compassion, my friends, that upends the brokenness of this world. It is compassion that brings disparate pieces that were never thought to come together again to come together. It provides sight to the blind. It provides food where there was none. And friends, I am convinced that compassion might be the single most important concept for our world that can guide our actions. Visceral deep motion towards another might be more important than anything else that we do because it changes the fabric of the universe. So what does compassion do? Well, if we can take anything from our gospel message today, the first thing that it does is it sets aside judgment for restoration. Do you notice how the son, as he's sitting in the muck and mire, starts to practice his apology? i got to make sure I go up to my dad and I say, Listen, I did a really bad thing. Wasted all your money and I am hungry. Just let me work in the fields. I'll be fine. I'm sorry. And his father just goes right past it. In the midst of the embrace, you can imagine the son pulling away and being like, Dad, I got to tell you something. And the dad says, Never mind. It continues to hold him tight. Instead of just waiting for the son to apologize, the father immediately works towards the son's restoration. There is no, I told you so, you should have listened to me before you left the country. There's no compensation that we needed to pay something back, and there's no sentencing for something that they've done wrong. Just embrace. Just welcome. Now, as perhaps any good parent would say that there might not be, perhaps, somewhere down the line, a conversation to say, like, maybe you should get that ancient Dave Ramsey book and we can talk about snowballing your debt so you're not back in pig fields again. I can appreciate that. Maybe some better lifestyle management choices, but clearly, right now, in this moment, was not the time. It was not the place. This moment of embrace and open receiving again was not the time to say, you should have known better. The father wants the son to know how precious he truly is, irrespective of what's happened before. The second thing that I think compassion does is it emphasizes unity. If you notice in the text, it doesn't say, the father doesn't say to everybody, well, let him eat, right? Let's get him everything. Let's get him the choicest calf, the fattest calf, and he can eat and we'll all sit and hang out and the rest of y'all can get back to work. No. It is everybody. The entire order of life stops and everybody gets to eat of the choicest provisions and that includes the compassionate father who has given so much it includes the sons although we'll talk later one of them doesn't decide to be part of the party it includes the servants it includes everybody compassion invites all of us to come and feast together it's not just a one to one transactional action but it ripples out from person to person. It puts people on level footing. It turns out, perhaps, when we are not judging one another, we may have an opportunity to invite one another to a sacred equal table. And finally, compassion is abundant. This isn't just a small, limited display, right? This isn't just you came home We'll get, you know, your room cleaned up again. I think we've got a job. You got used to working with the pigs. I think we can get you back in the pigs again. This isn't just like a side gig, right? This is being put front and center. And everything that the father has that is choice is given to the son out of compassion. Compassion invites the choicest of we, of what we have to be given in full and total abundance. The best of what we have and the best of who we are is given freely and openly. Because here's the thing, compassion finds life in situations that are heading towards certain death and celebrates the life coming out of it. What was thought to be dead is alive again, and what was thought to be lost is now found. And if I had a chance to bring life from the clutches of death, you bet the first thing I would do is roll out the biggest feast I could. Now, the older son gives us some contrast, right? His move is towards anger and judgment. He only wants to pay attention to his younger brother by what his actions were and not by what his actions are now. It is important to notice in the text that he, in fact, seems to embellish a little bit. If you look at these two words that will come up here, you'll notice there's two different words that are describing the individual. Again, I know you don't read. So this first one, austos, is a word that's used in the beginning of the text to talk about dissolute living. Now, I don't know if any of you, in a moment of anger, have told one of your friends that they're living in a dissolute manner. I am presuming not. I have not used that word, but when you look up what this means, dissolute, that is translated, it means riotous excess. I liked... That definition, riotous excess. So not just like spending your money and doing whatever you want, but doing it in a way that seems to invite complete and utter chaos. If you've ever seen the movie The Wolf on Wall Street, this is what I imagine this word would look like in a movie. Complete and total reckless excess. But the brother wants to focus on one particular thing. pornea which in this circumstance is translated as prostitute. So we don't know what the sins of the brother were except excess. But boy, that older brother really wants to point out who his younger brother is. And so it seems like instead of moving towards embrace, the brother wants to make sure to push his younger brother away in judgment, making sure to clarify all the things that he's done wrong. The older son, in contrast, emphasizes the division. If you notice in the text, the guy doesn't even come to the party. He stays off in the field, and he invites one of the servants to tell him what's going on. He hears the music, he keeps a distance, and then asks. He doesn't take the time find out from the father, and certainly won't talk to his brother about what's going on. He seems content to stay away, and he refuses to give anything at all. In fact, it is far more about what he has not been given and doesn't receive and what he doesn't earn. And that guy gets the fatted calf? That guy The son needs to be reminded that he has the same gifts and that they've always been there the same way that they were for the prodigal. But he seems so bent towards his own perception of injury, his own perception of what he did not get, his own sense of transactional reward for, quote, doing the right thing, that he can't see That the right thing is currently being celebrated right in front of his eyes, just a few hundred feet down the road. That compassion is finding its way into life. And he'd rather pout in a field because he didn't get what he thought he deserved. And here, I think, is where the last two weeks that we have studied together begin to bring themselves in to this week. If we cannot grieve the laments of a broken world, if we cannot look at the brothers and sisters around us at 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 a small distance, if we can look at them and we can't say, gosh, it breaks my heart that they're in these positions. Gosh, it breaks my heart that the prodigal son went away and fell into disaster. And if we can't live a life that changes away from the all-too-easy self-centered of our lives towards the other, then we lose the change to both give compassion and to benefit from it. If I have not tried to make my life just a little bit about the lament of the world as it is and my ability to be changed then it is far too easy for me to miss the compassion right around the corner that's occurring at this very moment. Friends, compassion is the movement of the hen's wings to cover her brood, even if they don't want to be cared for. Compassion is doing the dirty work of fertilizing an unfruiting fig tree with manure with no guarantee of its blooming, but with a deep, visceral desire to stave off its death. And compassion is the father's lavishing on the prodigal, inviting an unrepentant brother into the same lavish feast, despite his own protests to the contrary. Son, this has always been for you. So, friends, compassion must be the author and the catalyst of our mission in this world. It means giving up a sense of self-righteousness that somehow, because I've walked a better path than somebody else, I deserve more than what the other person gives. That is not the way Jesus Christ has ever worked, and that's not the way Jesus Christ ever will work. And I am sorry that the cross was not exclusive to any one of us, I'm sorry that resurrection does not earn you something special because you were good. It's the same for all of us. God, I give thanks to that. Any of us who are lost and have been found can give thanks to God for that. It also means giving up a sense of self-preservation, as if we get to keep any of this stuff anyway. And finally, I think it means giving up a sense of self-division. Because it's so easy to want to decide who's in and who's out, who deserves compassion and who doesn't. Because if you want to have a chance to perform the miracles of Jesus, if you want a chance to see the miracles of Jesus Christ that we read in the gospel in front of you today, Compassion, I am convinced, is the closest we'll ever come as human beings. Until Jesus returns, the best way we see the miracles from the gospel is compassion. And here's the thing. No matter what, no matter what side you're on, no matter if you find yourself to be the prodigal right now, not quite, not quite ready to go home. If you are the older brother who has done the right thing over and over and over again and are annoyed and frustrated that your family is spending too much time caring for those who don't seem to deserve it, God will always seek compassion for you. Always. God is still waiting for us to come in from the fields. No matter where we have been. No matter if we've stayed or if we've gone, God is waiting for us to come back in from the fields. And every day, I give thanks to God that he has not given up on any one of us to come home. Thanks be to God.